listeners and welcome to Inside 50. Easter Monday, the MCG, a huge crowd and the biggest teams in Melbourne on Easter Monday are Hawthorne and Geelong, Shane Crawford and Jimmy Bartell. No fighting blokes, it's going to be a great game we're all up and about. Well, they've made it their own, haven't they? It's the standalone game and from a Geelong point of view, we're not as lucky as Hawthorne and the other big Melbourne clubs. Hawthorne have got rivalries with you know Essendon and all the other big Melbourne clubs, but this is Geelong's blockbuster game. It's their equivalent of Anzac Day, Queen's Birthday. You, you think of all the other rivalry games that go on in today's footy. And the great thing that Geelong did really well early doors under Bomber Thompson and Chris Scott was embrace it. If you really want to play AFL football, you want to play it. The MCG against the very best. The Hawks were always up there winning premierships, powerhouse sides, superstars everywhere, 80,000 people, standalone, everyone at home watching. That's why you play the game, isn't it? It's pretty special. Yeah, the rivalry's been unbelievable for a long time. You take Easter Monday out of it, both clubs, regardless of where they're at on the ladder, they always come up with a, a pretty competitive game. I'm just hoping that this will be a competitive game. Obviously, the Hawks aren't the side that they were, and, and the Cats are a very good side. Yeah, they're just starting to click into gear, but um, I'm just hoping it's going to be a, a competitive duel, and I'm sure it will be, just knowing the rivalry and um, you know just the way the supporters go about it. Players absolutely love it. Some of them wish that they play Friday night so they can eat a few more Easter eggs over the weekend. <laughs> but um, that's the only downfall. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about these two clubs, and I don't know how you put it together, and whether it's the chemistry, whether it's the supporters coming together, it's always. It's always a thrilling finish, regardless of what's been going on. And the fact these two teams have combined for seven premierships this century and so many nail-biting finishes when they've played each other just adds to this contest. Yeah, there's a sense of responsibility when you're playing the game to, to live up to it. And how many times have we watched, especially the Easter Monday ones, Hawthorne get out by five goals, Geelong reel it in. Geelong get out by five goals, Hawthorne reel it in. Yeah, Tom Hawkins smashes one from 60 metres out. And then a boundary the throw in, he, he grabs it out, which he often does. He did that recently. And he kicks one doing that, which he's, I still don't, can't understand why coaches don't stop him mm. from doing that. But, yeah, that, that's right. Tom Hawkins always stands up in these big games and kicks a few goals and salutes to the crowd. And, you know, we used to have, well, obviously, Silrioli turn it on at times, but there's no Silrioli there anymore. So they're going to rely on, you know, maybe Shawnee Burgoyne, one of the oldest players going around, whether or not he can lift or, or Tom Mitchell, you know, dominating through the middle and getting plenty of the footy. It's going to be uh, a big challenge, but uh, it'll be awesome. As long as it's a good, tough game and reasonably close, I'll be happy. You played in so many magnificent Cats victories on Easter Monday. What's your favourite? Uh, probably Tom Hawkins, the, that last play, the whole in, entire play. I remember um, Poppy, he almost fly, kicked one out of the air, the far <laughs> point post, the transfer of play all the way up the middle ground. Tom Hawkins marks the footy. And the thing that blows me away about it when I watch his shot for goal is actually how far it goes through from where he kicks it. He kicks it outside 50 almost on the back of the centre square. Goes through goalpost height. He's absolutely crushed it, like squashed the ball. And it was dead centre the whole way. And I just remember everyone just jumping around. It was like an unlikely victory. And I think the big Hawk might have kicked three in the last to get us over the line. It's, it's a hard situation to be in because I grew up in the same town as Tom Hawkins. Um, I'd known him all his life pretty much and family. And then he's on the opposition side and then he has a moment like that. So you're sort of caught, you're like, oh, yes, we've lost, but you're so proud for someone on the opposition, believe it or not. It's like, oh, 
good on you, Tom. Well done, mate. You know, so it, it was it was a hard moment. It was a moment that I thought, oh my goodness, but wow, good on you, young fella. Even though he's a massive fella, but um, yeah. those moments, you know, you don't forget those. How big's Finley population? Roughly two thousand. Produced a Brownlow medalist and a Coleman medalist. It's not bad. It's extraordinary. Yeah, there you go. And spider bait. And spider bait. And spider bait. Yep. Good things coming. Oh, black bat, bam, bam, you can get me hot. Yeah. Now this game really kicked <laughs> off just when after you retired, <laughs> thanks to your outspoken president, because you knocked off the Cats in the 2008 Grand Final, and he famously said, mm. "We'll never lose to Geelong again." Well, I don't think Geelong lost the Hawks for nearly a decade after that. What no. was he doing, Jeffrey? Please. He, he was drinking again. I think. <laughs> um, I don't know what he was thinking. Sometimes you get ahead of yourself, you know, and that can happen with board and your presidents, um, you can think you're bulletproof when you, you never can in this game because as soon as you, you start to think you're going okay, you quickly fall straight back into uh, into the mix. Yeah, do you know what? That was awesome for footy. Uh, not great because I know, even though I wasn't playing at the time, I know the players hated it because the media would run with it every lead up and they'd start talking about what was said and so forth. And, you know, as a player, all the players are motivated to get out there and play well, but... You know, you could see Geelong, they always had that little extra bit of motivation up their sleeve whenever they needed it. You know, I remember Paul Chapman, you know, you could always see him (laughs) playing and running around. He hated Hawthorne and you could just see that, you know, it meant a whole lot more to uh, those type of players. But it was great for footy. It, 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 It got everyone talking in the football world. Oh, it's the Cannock curse. Hawthorne just couldn't win a game after that. Geelong just kept uh, turning it on when they had to, winning close matches, dominating at times. And I was thinking for a long time, I'm thinking, we're never going to beat these buckets ever again. <laughs> so it was actually the reverse. And how much was it discussed? It was discussed. And like, like I said, the, the best thing about it was our coaches embraced it. And you want to embrace playing against the best. And I know Croft's touched on it, but some of the names, the Hawks, they've got all-time champions. And you're like... You get to pit yourself against them, the, the hype, the build-up. You take in the whole week. I think when you try and run from it and you try and hide from it, I think you build up an, like an anxiety that doesn't need to be there. I think you perform best when you just embrace the moment. 80,000 always seems to be a really nice day. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think we've had any wet ones, have we? There have always been pretty nice days. Um, you know, both sides have been pretty much close to full fitness. Hasn't been too many missing, like, key players. But... Shane's right, you know, Chappie and the different guys, that was their little bit of extra motivation as well. But, you know, Isaac Smith misses one from 35. It's a completely different result. They've they've had their opportunities to win it. So it wasn't Let's like, hope he does it this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on the other side. I think that was his, one of the first things he, he said when he arrived at the Cats. He goes, Cats fans should love me. I, I missed a couple of shots that gave you the win. Yeah. Uh, do, you know, do you know what uh, Geelong supporters are? They're nice. Like, you go down there and play against Geelong. It's just like a, a country field, but they're actually n- nice supporters. They're quite friendly supporters, you know. They're happy to to give it out, but it's all done, you know, in a, a nice, tasteful way. And that's one thing I've I've felt from playing Geelong for a long, long time. Whereas there's a lot of other clubs, I can tell you, <laughs> very different stories. You know, those interstate clubs and so forth at times, you feel like, gee, just everyone's coming at you from every point of view and it, it really does sort of get at you at, at stages. You learn new words when you go see Port Adelaide <laughs> play at home, that is for sure. Well, do you know, I played Port Adelaide and I remember I was captain and this is Adelaide Oval and um, very vocal supporters and, you know, which is good. You've got to be passionate. I'm all for everyone getting to the footy and saying what they want as long as it's within reason, but just go for it, hook in and have fun, terrorise the opposition. But when you get spat on <laughs> yeah. as you're going out, 
I think maybe that's just a step too far. You know, just a little too far. You always find <laughs> always a question mark. Yeah, and yeah. that's not with all their support. That's yeah. just one supporter. But you're like, okay, this is not good. But the only way to shut them up is get it on the front foot and win. That's the only way you can possibly get get it back. You know, the opposition try and take the noise out of it. You remember the race at Footy Park? It was the old dingy yes, sort of yeah, thing. And yeah. the, there's been perfect weather here for a couple of weeks. Why is there so much water in this race that smells? Well, you'd be like, yeah, there's a bit, of a bit of a funky smell to this and it's been 25 degrees here for the last month. You're not sure about what's going on here. Lucky you both did so well over there. You didn't have to put up with the fans too much. Just getting back to the Kennett curse, you spoke about when John Ralph in the Herald Sun wrote that story in 2007, basically putting across through most of the Geelong players that you were no good and you went on to win the premiership that year. After the 2008 grand final when Kennett did make those provocative comments and I dare say disrespectful comments, was there something like that done as well? No, Paul Chapman always, as Croft highlighted too, he was very confrontational. He liked the confrontation. He went, right, I'm taking on. And that was his motivation. The likes of Steve Johnson, Matt Scarlett, those guys who are just intrinsically wide, just to, you know, they grit their teeth. You can just see them. Other guys are like, like myself and, and Joel Selwood and, and Cameron Ling, we love the challenge of putting yourself against the best. So our midfield matchup going, well, there's Mitchell and Hodge and Lewis out there, Brad Sewell uh, um, through a lot of those early ones who was a very, very good player. They just, you know, there's Cirrioli who probably run you down in half a second. If you even blinked the wrong way, you'd chase you down. Forward line of, you know, Roughhead and Franklin who could drop of a hat, kick three or four on you in a quarter. That was exciting. That was thrilling. And you like... When you retire, you're grateful that you got to be a part of it. And what I love about it is last week we lamented the fact sometimes the players were too nice, the high fives and posing for selfies post-game, win, lose or draw. There was genuine animosity between these two teams for a long period of time, so much so that it was almost awkward for a lot of them to engage socially when they'd see each other at events or the races and whatnot, with the exception of Ling and Hodge who were like this. A lot of them really did carry that on, and I think it's a good thing. Well, I, the thing I loved about it, so I grew up playing cricket and footy with, with Luke Hodge. We've known each other since we are 14 years of age. He's from Colac and Geelong, and so all the Geelong Falcons and Geelong cricket squads, you all play together, and we're good mates, like played seasons together. But in the first couple of minutes, he's, he's accident, accidentally Hodgie style, you know, clumsily fell into you, and you got, <laughs> you got blood coming out of your ear or eye, but... That was okay. After the game, you sort of walk past each other. And he'd, he'd smile. He'd go, I sort of got you good on that one. I go, Yeah, I've still got it. And then he'd go, Well, you got me good on the last one. It was a, there was a fair bit of mutual respect as well as the competitive hatred that you have for good sides. Yeah, Andrew Mackey. Yeah, you yeah. Know, he's a good, great fella, but he always felt uncomfortable talking to Hawthorne yeah. players. You know, in a social environment. You know, so it was just that type of rivalry, which obviously footage changed a fair bit, and everyone's nice to each other, and we all get along. And but um, yeah, back then you'd sort of there was always respect, but it's like no, I don't, I don't really need to know what they're like. I don't want to know, you know. I don't want to know if he's a nice fella or so forth. I need to, uh, yep, no, I've got that mental picture in my head, and okay, I, I need to leave that because every time I play, I need to be on, and I need to have that real hard edge. And look, to be honest, when it comes to Geelong, we, there's nothing but respect. You know, Hawthorne's got nothing but respect for everything Geelong does. They're an amazing club. You know, you look at. Smithy, he's gone down to be a part of that club. You know, he's been a part of a, a wonderful Hawthorne football club. And, you know, they wouldn't leave a, a really good football club knowing that they were going to a club that was really questionable in every aspect. And so there's a lot of great respect uh, by the way Geelong does it. And 
they've got something that's pretty unique, the way that they handle everything and that real country feel, and it's it's pretty special. You, you don't cross paths a lot being a Geelong player with, with the Melbourne clubs. So, you know, Melbourne players based in Melbourne, they could go down to the coffee shop and cross paths with guys from two or three different clubs where... Yeah, the Hawks players are going to cheers on a Tuesday night to toss the boss. <laughs> We're going to to Lingy's place at Lammy's to have a few beers in the back bar. Like you just don't, you just don't cross paths. It's only an hour away, but at times Geelong is treated like an interstate club because it just no one sort of really heads down there. They go about their business. But I, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the players are jealous from other clubs because they've got something pretty unique. You know, there really is that country feel. You know. You can just sort of roam and, and do as you please, yet extremely passionate. Like, everyone's a Geelong supporter. Everyone loves Geelong. Everyone's a member. But they still are happy to, oh, no, just let him go about his his business and let him do his thing. So it's, it's pretty it's pretty unique from that point of view, especially with how successful they've been. Like, you got you look at what Geelong's done. They're always in the finals. They're always pushing to be in a grand final. They're winning grand finals. It's... It's a pretty unique footy club to be able to maintain that and still be there doing what they're doing. Isaac Smith this week, will he be booed? Oh, I, I don't think so. He, oh. he, there'll be some that will. I, I, I think he was much loved at the Hawks. They loved him, you know. Um, who did we see? We saw Trelaw was booed, wasn't he? That's Collingwood. But if but you win three, different. If you win three <laughs> premierships for a club, yeah. We've seen Buddy Franklin play against the Hawks, you know, and when they know that... There's a lot of love there because of the joy that, you know, those players have brought to those football clubs. So I think they understand it's all part of the business. Maybe a few initially, and then I'm sure they'll move on pretty quickly. What's the biggest booing you've heard of the game for a player? Oh, gee. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, Dan, at, um, I'm going to say Kidinia Park because I forget which sponsorship, so <laughs> I, I, I apologise. It might have been Simmons Stadium then. It's HPA now, so there we go. We ticked off all the appropriate things there. Dean Solomon crudely elbowed Lingy in the head. Like, just, it was just a blatant crude act. Like, completely caved the side of Lingy's face in. And as Shane said, the Geelong crowd are normally, they're actually a pretty educated football uh, mob down there. But they were angry. And we still had a half a footy to go. And it was, it was just booing flat out. It was Solomon, it was anybody. It was just relentless. Like, you just went... They're aggressive. Like, there was a real tension in the air. Did you win? Yeah, we, uh, we ended up getting up and winning. But Lingy, I missed quite a number of weeks. I think Solomon ended up getting four or five weeks yeah. for it. But it, it, it was handball, Solomon straight across. And you meet Dean Solomon now. Yeah, great fella. He's a softie. Like, he's a softie. I know he coached at Gold Coast for a long time. Now he's running a gym up, uh, up near the Queensland, New South Wales border. Softly spoken. You couldn't meet a nicer guy, but uh, he's... Grew up in Broken Hill, tough as you can you can get. He was hard at the footy and big unit, <laughs> big strong play. Yeah, and um, yeah, you you talk to him away from footy and you think wouldn't hurt a fly. But that's what footy did. You like the amount of times you regretted doing little things out there, throwing an elbow around or accidentally throwing a backhander and and connecting someone. You do not at the time because it was really built up as this is it. This is this may be your last game. You've got to go put everything on the line, you know. Whatever you can do to win, you go for it. Whereas um, you look back and you think, oh, you know, I was just in such a, a zone or such a, a trance. And I do. When I look at my AFL days, I think I was such a robot. I was in such a trance. Everything revolved around me. Everything revolved around our footy club. 
And at times it was tough because our footy club was shit house. <laughs> so it's amazing now when you're actually out of it and you think, oh, it's, it's a big wide world out there. But it's as players, I think everyone gets brainwashed and thrown into this is your opportunity in life right now. You've got to make the most of it. Otherwise, nothing else is going to work. Can you think of a big boo? Well, you think I'll give you one if you need a bit of extra time. Matthew Knights, when he got taken out by the Western Bulldogs, when Tony Liberatore got him off the ball, the Tiger Army wanted blood. They were furious. That was very, very loud. And the loudest boo slash cheer was quite bizarre was Wayne Carey returning to play against North Melbourne. Everyone reacted. Some were cheering him like he was still wearing 18 for the Kangas, and some were booing him like he'd never played there. So that was one of the most bizarre scenes I've ever seen because the North supporters were so split. Remember when he shaped up to Glenn Archer? Uh, it, was, it was quite amazing footage, just watching those two. And you know, they've obviously got amazing respect from a football sense of what they've done together. And you just, you know, and, and obviously Glenn Archer sticking up for his, his mate, um, Anthony Stevens. But it was... It was must-watch TV. It's like glued to your set. But probably probably Matty Lloyd when he took out Brad Sewell. Yes, and the, the velvet sledgehammer. That. Not only that, players, Campbell Brown yeah. was... Oh, he went he, he, oh, Seriously, he, <laughs> Campbell Brown, when we played um, the Cats in the grand final that week, like Campbell Brown's a bit loose. And, and we love that about Campbell because if he... You tell him to run through a brick wall, he'll run through a brick wall, you know, and that's what, that's what he was doing at the Hawks. He played back pocket... If he had to play on someone, he'd play tight. If he had to run through, you know, a pack and just try and smash, the, he'd do everything, put his body on the line. So I knew that. But start of the week, going to the grand final, we're out there and there was thousands of people watching us train. And he said to me, I'll, I'll do anything. What, what do you want me to do this week? And I said, what, what, what do you mean? And I said, he goes, on the field, what, 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 do, you, what do I need to do? Like, and I said, mate, just concentrate. On your role. That's it. Concentrate on your role. Put your body in line. Just do what you've been doing. The whole... He goes, Gary Ablett, I'll rip his arm off and eat it if you want. Do you want me to rip it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you know what? I actually believed him. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. Just focus on playing the footy. Once you start worrying about all other stuff, you know, that's really interferes. But I actually believed him that he would actually try and rip his arm off and eat it. He was that type of player. So it was nice to play with those types. He would not have been out of place in the 89 grand final, Campbell. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah, he would have he would have been right in there. But when when Matty Lloyd took out Brad Sewell at the time, unfortunately for Lauder, it was end of his career. So he he wasn't getting a kick, having no impact, and um, I think the coaches said, "Just be physical, get involved, do something." So the next thing, it just all happened perfectly. He ran through um, centre bounce, and just uh, sorely turned and. And just got him and, and totally wiped him out. And uh, it all erupted. But, yeah, when you've got the supporters wanting to jump the fence, you've got Campbell Brown standing on the boundary line waiting to go back on, just finger-pointing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. It was unbelievable. But, Campbell literally followed him and just yelled at him for five minutes. I'd love to know what he was saying. And not only that, in the media afterwards. You know, yeah. Because we're always told, just move on and shut your trap and whatever. But he's like, nah, it's payback. We're going to get him back. But the thing is, they couldn't get him back because he'd retired. Well, that was his last game pretty much, I think, mm. wasn't it? Or or not far off. So, yeah, I don't think he ever played Hawthorne again. It was probably a good thing. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sure the angry little coach, even though he'd say, nah, we've moved on and that's, I can guarantee you, he would have probably said, if you can, just show him that you're around. 
It's a, it's a funny one because Alistair Clarkson, the very first time I met with him and I wanted to leave because I'd had enough and the club was lost and I'm thinking, okay, how much longer you got? Three, four years, maybe maybe you should go somewhere else and try and enjoy. About yourself, you're saying that. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, and, and finish somewhere else. And and he got appointed coach and um, they said, oh, he wants to meet with you. So I went and met with him at Glenferry Oval and it was just me and him sitting in a room. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. This is going to be interesting because I didn't really know him very well. And the only times that I knew of him was when I played footy against him and I punched on with him a few times. <laughs> I literally punched on with him when we played Melbourne in that uh, merger match. Yep. That very Clarko was – I was playing on him at times, you know. And if you even watch the footage now, when you watch back that game, you can see him and I going at each other all the time. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then the first discussion was – Listen, a lot of your older teammates, I'm going to get rid of them. So that was the very first thing that came out of his mouth. And I'm like, okay. And he said, I've just got to do it. I've got to bring in young kids. I've got to give them games. We're going to lose. Like, we don't want to lose, but we're going to lose because I've got to give these guys exposure. And they're not ready, but the only way I think I can really – and I'm, I, was, I was literally thinking, do I stand up and just start punching this guy's head in? That's what I was thinking in my – because I'm like, he's telling me he's getting rid of my mates who are being very loyal – Gave their heart and soul for 10 years. You know, I'm talking about Luke McCabe and Mark Graham and, and players who who were very good citizens, hardworking, you know. Um, and then, oh, next we're going to lose. And then, oh, by the way, it'd be good if you could stay and maybe help some of these young kids train properly and help out on the field. So that was my very first discussion. And I just thought, I, I pretty much left that meeting thinking, I've got to go, I've got to go. But something kept drawing me back. I was sort of like, oh, you can't give up when everything's so crap you know you got to hang in there and I'm so glad I did because I got to experience the very best which is full credit to him obviously bringing the right people in and and getting that going but that was that was our first conversation which is very awkward um, with an AFL coach and your last game for Hawthorne was that famous premiership not many guys get to play in a grand final yeah, in and their I, last I, game but I couldn't it would, have seen, enough. It would have felt yeah. like a million miles away from that first meeting to winning that premiership oh, yeah no chance and even after his first two years I'm thinking, he's got no idea, this bloke. <laughs> he's got no idea because we were flooding back and we were, weren't very competitive. But what he was doing, he was he was just training for a long time, trying to get people, you know, doing the basics really well. And then he started to implement, you know, a four-man zone and, and all of that stuff, which they brought in from soccer, which he'd obviously been, you know, it, it, he couldn't throw that in the mix straight away with all young kids learning all the basics. So, um, yeah, no... If you go to that meeting and then you go to my last game, you know, it's like we're best mates and we couldn't get enough. And even now, he lives around the corner or was living around the corner. And, you know, even after they won their third premiership in a row, he brought all three premiership cups over, you know, and obviously I wasn't a part of the club anymore. He goes, oh, you need to have a photo with the, the cups and your kids. You know, so it's it's pretty unique and pretty special but it could have gone either way you know because you do at times have with your coaches you start to think hang on I think they've lost supply or they've got no idea or they're they're not very sensitive in this area about you know how I'm feeling or what's going on so it is you know a lot of credit needs to go to the coaches but it is a big tough job with coaching, I dare say there would have been a little bit of tension between your coach, you and your coach, Chris Scott. At the end of your career, you'd been such a superstar for the Cats for so long. You were entertaining the thought of continuing and maybe he wasn't as keen as you? Uh, yeah, but it's very similar to what Shane was saying. Oh, look, I always understood 
the the bigger picture of football. Like I wasn't that narrow minded. Like just me, me, me. Like this, the, the club just keeps rolling on, and they've got to keep turning lists over to keep competitive and have a look at Geelong. As Seamus has always said, yeah, they're always playing in finals and things like that. When you when you're still capable and you think, well, no one's beating me out for my position. That's when you know, your your natural ego, your competitor going. Well, no one's beating me out for my position. I can still play. So you, you've got that lens on already, but they're looking for two, three, five years where the next premiership's coming, and they've got to actually start going, well, in five years, you, well, you're definitely not playing because yep. you're too old. So we've got to start filtering players. We need draft picks. Then you've got to manage salary caps. So I understood all that, um, and he was like, look, we want to go in a different direction. We want to keep playing different players, uh, but I'm – also going to admit when then they play in finals next year and you know, if they're needing a senior player, go, well, I'm still capable. I can still yeah. play. And so there's always that mixed emotion. You've got to somehow take the emotion out of it. If you can see both sides of it, well, I think then you can sit a little bit comfortably with it. Well, it should be an absolute cracker on Monday. Geelong, $1.28 favourites. Hawthorne at three sixty. The line currently 22.5 points. Margin betting the Cats, 1-39 to at $2.05. The Cats by 40 points or more, 290. Hawthorne, 1 to 39 at $4. The Hawks by 40 points or more, a $19 chance. And the draw at $51. Who wins and by how much, Shane Crawford? Oh, I think that line's pretty good. I think the Cats will win maybe by about 30 points, but it'll be, you know, fairly close majority of the time. And I reckon the Cats will just put the foot down uh, towards the end. So Cats, 1 to 39? I'd go Cats 20 plus. So would you take the Cats minus 22 and a half or yeah. would you take a yep. 1 to 39? No, no, I'd, I'd be quite confident that, that would happen. They'll cover the 22 yeah. and a half. It did hurt you to say that. Just a little bit. I'm realistic. Okay. You know, I'm hoping it'll be a close match, you know, just because everyone's going. But I've, I know Hawthorne will put up a show, but I, yeah, they're lacking a bit of class and Geelong are all class. Cats by how much, Jimmy? Uh, only about three goals. Okay. Three, four goals. I, I think the Cats are still blowing out the cobwebs a bit and who fits where. The you know, a couple of new players, and then also, you know, Dangerfield out, Menegola, does he come in? Does Duncan, do they bring him back after just a half in a VFL scratch match without Cameron? Um, but they've still got enough quality, but I just think where it all fits. Um, I think it was great by Geelong, Chris Scott, and the coaching staff. We, we've spoken about many clubs making it blue-collar. You could see there was a real aggressive streak to the Cats. Where this is our starting point. Let's not overcomplicate the game plan Sending Mark O'Connor to Lockie Neal, there's your job. Everyone, that's our focus. Lockie Neal's not getting the ball. Like sometimes just a really simple game plan or idea going into it can get a little bit of your groove back. And then the skill and the game plan and the ball movement starts to flow off the back of that. So I think the Cats are still working their way through some kinks. And I think the Hawks, um, we've already seen this. I think they're a side that's not going to beat themselves, especially with Alistair Clarkson at the helm. Now, yeah, they might get done with some class in some different positions, but I don't think they're a side that are just going to come up and you go, geez, what's happened here? So, yeah, the Cats by about, I'll say, 18 points. I think the 1 to 39.5 is a really good yes. bet here. It's not one of my favourite bet types because often you find yourself yeah, having to back Barrick right. for different teams at various stages. But I think Geelong will win, and Hawthorne is just too proud and too well structured yes. to get blown out. Australia's had many great racing and sports moments, and here's the next. The Tab app is now available on Google Play. Download it today. Tab. Long may we play. Google Play is a trademark of Google LLC. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. And Shane Crawford, you have been tipping very, very well. The last two weeks we've got your best bet, 
your best line bet and your best multi, and you've hit every week. So you've seen them I, really well. Well, I've been believing in the Giants as well. So, um, yes, you can't know. The thing is, it's, it's hard. It really is hard. Some weeks are going to work out, and then some weeks you're going to be scratching your head going, how on earth did that happen? You know, obviously the first week there was a few upsets and so forth from what we thought. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those seasons. We're going to – we don't know where everyone's at mentally, physically. I'm really – I'm worried about the players at the speed of these games, how they're going to be going 10 weeks down the track and being able to still play that style of footy, go nice and fast. Physically, I, I, you know, to run 15, 16 Ks a game, especially the midfielders at great speed – I just, I just wonder whether or not their bodies are going to be able to hold up. Um, you know, hamstrings and and calves and you know, lots of running type of muscle injuries. Do you think that might be one of the factors behind a couple of really disappointing performances on the weekend? Now, each game there's a winner and a loser. We all cop that. But you look at a team like Hawthorne. I thought they were terrific in losing to Richmond because they really pestered the Tigers the entire game. At no stage did you think Hawthorne was going to win, but they made everything difficult for the Tigers. But there are a few teams, and I'm going to put at the head of the podium here, the Bombers, that just did not show up on the weekend. Yeah, well, for for me, I I think a lot of them, I don't think they were expected to win, but their performance was not acceptable. So there's a difference. You, You highlight the Hawks. They're a perfect case. They... They showed up, they got outclassed, and we probably thought Richmond are about a goal better each quarter, maybe a touch more. And they got the jump on uh, the Hawks, uh, the Tigers did, and then they held them at bay. They did enough. But the performances of Kangaroos, the Giants, and the Bombers, and some people might throw the Blues in. But I reckon those three in particular, and two of the coaches, Dave Noble of Kangaroos and Leon Cameron, just said, it's just too easy to play against. Like, we're at the absolute pinnacle of football here. Well, this is not development competitions. This is not country football where you're ringing up, you know, on a Friday night looking for players or things like that. Yeah, you've got young teams in your building, and Dave Noble said that, but that's just not acceptable. Like, you can't be so far off in, in your intensity, your concentration, your mindset, and your skill execution. I know you were covering the other game at the time on Saturday night, but there were moments in that Gold Coast game where they literally went coast to coast being able to do what they pleased, and that's unacceptable. That's not a skill thing. That's an effort thing. It's a mindset thing as well. It's just not being switched on, ready to go. And if if you can't you know, start the game well, well, then you've got to go look at your preparation. Well, this guy here, he'd absolutely come flying out of the gates. And he'd be zipping around everywhere. He'd have the ball in his hand. He'd be having the opposition going, geez, have we got the right tagger? How are we going to play him? Things like that. You know, where are we set up well? Like, just creating questions for the opposition. But when you put in performance like that, the opposition goes, oh, we don't really have to worry here. Like, everything's on our terms. The, the first um, game against Port Adelaide, even though they lost, North were pretty good. I really liked their first quarter. They had a crack. Yeah, they're undermanned. And it's a bit like Hawthorne. Like, Hawthorne won't make the finals, but they'll, you know, just with the coach and the way they structure up, they'll be competitive. They'll be a pest. They're going to be the pest of the year, the Hawks, because it's never going to be easy to play against. A bit like Sydney used to be. You just knew you had a, a game on your hands, and you knew you could always win, but... You just thought if we're not on, there's every chance, you know, you could possibly drop it. But um, the the Giants and the Saints, I reckon I'm happy to forgive both of them for losses to obviously Melbourne and then um, going over and losing to Fremantle with the Giants because the week before, first game 
It was wet, tough conditions, game was fought out right to the siren. I'm happy to say a flat run second up. Yep. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm confident that's the case because, as I said, I, I watched a fair bit of the Giants training and I reckon I'm normally pretty good at working out, okay, this side's going all right. Um, and I still think they'll come good. And the Saints, it was a big game for them. There was a lot, you know, for them to play for with, um, you know, the Danny Frawley match. And then, you know, they just looked at a touch off. So I, I'm happy to forgive those two. So if we put a line through that and say, do you know what, second up performance, yes, other teams were good second up, but they had a, a different style of match. It, it was torrential rain. The war the, at the ground was you know, heavily soaked, so a bit heavier on the legs, takes a while to recover, a bit longer. So I'm happy to forgive and, and watch this week. I will get to Jimmy in a minute with his thoughts on the Giants. He is a board member there. I think he should be the head coach. We'll get to that in just a sec. Shane, the Giants have now lost six of their last eight. Yep. Their next four games, Melbourne at Manica Oval, Collingwood at the MCG, yep. Sydney at the SCG, and then the Bulldogs at Marnica Oval. For pretty challenging games, I think the Swans game is probably now harder than we thought three weeks ago looking at the schedule after what the Swans have done the first two weeks. Do they beat Melbourne this week? I think they do. I'm going to pick them to win this week. Okay. Uh, only because I'm sort of backing in my theory and second up syndrome. I reckon, when, and do you know what? Sometimes when their season's virtually on the line... You know you're going to get a response of some sort. So I reckon they can beat Melbourne. Do they beat Collingwood at the MCG the following week? <sighs> it's tough because Collingwood are good. I think everyone underestimated Collingwood last week going up against the Blues. Uh, they've been a good side for a long time. They could. Yeah, they really could. Uh, win. I reckon they could win those three and then Sydney the week after. Okay. They're capable of doing that. Would you be brave and, and put your house on that? No, you wouldn't. And the Western Bulldogs, I mean, if they were to win three in a row like you're suggesting they might, then all of a sudden they'd go into that Bulldogs game with a three and two record on their home deck and you give them a chance. So you're more optimistic about the season 2021 still despite the two losses. Yeah, like scratching on the weekend, uh, you know, for whatever reasons. I'm I'm giving them an out where normally we don't give many outs, but I'm giving them an out because of the week before. And then... With the Saints, I, I was actually worried about the Giants because I was bullish about their um, chances. But soon as I saw what happened with the Saints in Melbourne, I'm thinking, oh, hang on. I think I think there might be a, a correlation about what went on the week before and, um, you know, how much it actually took out of their legs and so forth. And, and they performed accordingly. Jim, how have you assessed the Giants to start 2021? Yeah, it's, it's been disappointing, especially off the back of last year as well. And you always park it and you go, well, that was that year and this is this year. Um, it could be completely different. Like, they use moments that cost them against the Saints. You know, like some, a couple of decision-making errors, big moments in game. The Saints probably just execute them a bit better and you lose by eight points. It was two points and you had that Callum Ward, but then Butler goal. So one kick and the disappointing thing, um, against Frio, it was, they just got outworked, really. And the Dockers, young midfield, you've got to tip your cap sometimes. The opposition's entitled to play really well. But the way the Dockers played, they spread from the contest, their energy, they probably should have won by 10 to 12 goals. I think we all sit there and watch it and go, they are everywhere here. And Giants got nothing going, and they were just easy to play against. 
I think Leon, Leon Cameron said that straight away in his press conference afterwards. Just too easy to play against. For people, too easy to play against is just trailing up the man on the mark. You give too much space. One line or unit is not working cohesive, cohesively enough with the other. So if the example, the midfield's putting on a lot of pressure and I'm playing in Shane and he wheels out, I'd love for my defender to be right up the backside of you know, Shane's teammate so he can punch it out of bounds and we can reset. But they're five metres off. But that happened everywhere all over the field. So it just became easy exit points all the way. What will the message be this week? Yeah, it's a really tough one because, you, you know, we are still round two. You've got to actually, you can get caught really down close about it. You can hammer home what's happened over in Perth. But then you've also got to get your head up and go, it's round two. Like you, you just said there, we win this week, we win next week. All right, the ledges are even two and two. You start to feel good about yourself. Players start to run across the top of the field a bit more. So I think for them, it, it, it is more of an an energy mindset, concentration. It's, it's just the little things. Because we know they've got skill. And Shane said they've got talent. You know, they did put in all the work over summer. It, it doesn't take long to turn around. And hopefully it does turn around and we're not having these conversations going forward. But there's starting to be some alarming signs about how hard it is for the club. Because... We spoke about last week some of the key players Geelong have added, and that's just simply something that GWS has not had the luxury of doing, adding players from other teams. It's either hopefully they don't leave, keep the players, but at no stage are you sort of adding and topping up. And after making a grand final, that's what all the big Victorian, South Australian and Western Australian teams would be doing. And unfortunately, GWS just doesn't seem to be in a position through no fault of their own to do that. No, you're right, Quinny. And, and this is why sometimes I get a little bit defensive of Leon Cameron. Like, I know he is the coach of my club and things like that. But if you drill down and you unpack it a little bit, he's really the only final side where you, your side's constantly getting picked at from your key players. So Richmond, they're able to add Lynch, Prestia, Caddy, Geelong, Higgins, Cameron, Anybody else who's born and raised in Geelong seems to come back Dangerfield. So they're constantly adding. So they're contenders adding. Port Adelaide add Alir, Fantasia. You go back. Charlie Dixon goes there. Eagles can add Tim Kelly or any Western Australian wants to come home is Eagles or Dockers. Can you remember a player in his prime going to the Giants? Reese Palmer. <laughs> his prime age, yes. No, I can't. No, but so you've got to tip your cap a little bit to Leon Cameron. He's always constantly coaching development as well. Yeah, so yeah. you you lose you lose those players and then you're replacing them with talent, but the talent isn't ready to go. So Tanner Bruin's going to be a fantastic player, but he's still only 18. Yeah. So you're rebuilding unintentionally. All the time. Now, that's not like, woe is me. That's just a, that's just a reality. That's what's happening with them. And, and you look at the Gold Coast, you know, you... Yeah, same. When, when you, you you talk about Prestia and Lynch, you know, there, there's so many wonderful players that have come out of there. So imagine if they were able to somehow hold on to yeah. them and good coaching. Um, and, you know, you're getting young kids into your system all the time and they've had high-end top talent, um, but young. So you've got to develop them. You've got to teach them how to train hard, teach them what you want them to do. And then once they get going, bang, off to Melbourne they go back, uh, you know, to their home suburb where they grew up and playing for the, the Saints or the Hawks or whoever they might be. So it makes it very, very difficult. Australia's had many great racing and sports moments and here's the next. The Tab app is now available on Google Play. Download it today. Tab. Long may we play. Google Play is a trademark of Google LLC. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. one 800 858 858
Now, I was going to sit here and talk about the Giants going zipping two, and I was going to sit here and talk about the Cats. They should be zipping two, if not for the umpire's very favourable decision against the Lions last Friday night. But I'll talk about something that will put a smile on both your faces, especially you, Shane Crawford. What is going on with the Bombers, and when will they win a game? I don't don't hate the Bombers. Oh, come on, Shane. I I want the Bombers to do well. I like when they're up and about. Tiffin Woody, I think Zach Merritt's a star. Uh, McGrath, who I just think is a wonderful player, and we haven't seen the best of him. So, no, I, I think it's good for our competition when the Bombers are No, I agree. I agree. They've got a very, very loyal and big supporter base. But I was, to be honest, I was really worried. Round one, I thought Hawthorne won't win if the Bombers are switched on. And I still can't believe that Hawthorne, with the side that We've got at the moment young kids developing, a lot of no names, a lot of star players not in the side, Wingard and, and um, uh, Gunston and so forth. For them to come back from 40 points down and win, I'm like, wow, okay, this is alarm bells for Essendon. Like, it really is alarm bells. Um, sure enough, if it was a side years ago with Ruffhead and Franklin and Lewis and Mitchell and Hodge and You'd understand that, but not with the side they got right now. And then to back it up with a, a poor performance, but against a really good side and a side we probably think can win the whole thing. Yeah, there's a few little concerns there. So they've got to get themselves going. They've got to find a way to not be competitive. They've got to find a way to start winning and get a bit of belief. They're capable. I, I think it's just in, important for Ben Rutten and the Bombers to show the fans like what they're trying to build. So when you go along to, to watch the Bombers, you go, oh, I can see what you're doing. Like I get... Yeah, we've got young talent that are coming through. We've hit the draft, three draft picks. We're trying to get players in through trade and free agency, and that'll make what we're doing better. So you can actually go along and you can go, oh, yeah, I I get it. Like, I I know what the Bombers are trying to do. Now they're just getting beaten on experience and talent. So I've heard Ben Rutten say they want to be a blue-collar team. But that means blue-collar means you just keep fronting up, as Shane said. Like, your your high tackle numbers. Actually, you're trying to play like the Crows did against the Cats. Now, that might get you a win a couple of weeks. You might get beaten. But you get beaten a bit like the Hawks against Richmond. You just get beaten by class across the field and, and that sort of stuff. But I think that's the, the worry, I think, when I speak to a lot of Bombers fans. It's like they still don't know what, what they're trying to achieve yet. Now, I know we're only two games in. Ben Rutten's had some more injuries, which makes it difficult. But you want to see a pattern of play or a style where if you're in essence sport and you go sit in your seat, you want to go... I know what they're trying to achieve. Well, I can see what he's trying to put in place here for the future. Now, there's a market. When will they win a game? And some nasty punters. In fact, they won't win a game all season from 500 to 1 into $151. Is it at, at Shane Crawford 9, at Shane Crawford, <laughs> go Hawks? <laughs> no, well, they'll definitely, yeah. They'll, they'll win a game. They'll win a game. I, of course I know they will. You, you look at their first half against the Hawks and you go, wow, okay. <laughs> they're a top eight contender. You know, but it's those lapses and, and you know, it's always it's always difficult. Going at half time when you've played really well and the ball just keeps bouncing away, mentally, especially for a young team, you know, and, and guys playing some first games and some others, you know, are up and about, your head, you can get way ahead of yourself. You know, you can start smiling in the changing rooms at half time. You can, you know, just start, take your foot off a touch, just thinking, oh, yeah, well, He's over there. He'll make it happen. And that's when it's a disaster. So sometimes sometimes it's nice to go in at halftime a little bit behind or knowing we're on here, we, we really need to keep grinding away. But um, it's amazing what the mind can do, especially after you've played so well 
early, and that was their obviously chance to to slot a win for the season early, but they didn't do it. Now we're going to go through the upcoming games. Three dollars twenty-five for the first win against St Kilda in round three. Four fifty for it to be against the Bloods in round four. Six dollars for it to be against Brisbane in round five. Five fifty against Collingwood in round six. Five dollars against Carlton in round seven. Eight dollars against Jim's Giants in round eight. Thirteen dollars against Fremantle in round nine. Or $13 against North in round 10. A lot of guesswork here. Where will their first victory come from? First win for the year for the Bombers. Yes. Anzac Day against Collingwood. $5.50. I like that. The supporters would like that too. That's one of the few games where it doesn't matter where they're on the ladder. And Carlton the week after is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'd be one of those two, surely. I think so. It's a bit like Adelaide last year. Yeah. We thought there's no chance of them winning a game, and then somehow they they won two. They end up winning a couple in a row, and I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah. So you just don't know physically where the opposition are at. If they're in a hard training phase, are they a touch off this week? So you just got to be, you just got to be ready. The blue collar worker is ready every week to have a crack, and that's obviously what they're trying to strive for. So they just got to be ready every week. And we know Marvel Stadium; they're a different team. They play. It's like they play down a hill. <laughs> so um, anytime they play at Marvel against anyone, I reckon they're half. Australia's had many great racing and sports moments, and here's the next. The Tab app is now available on Google Play. Download it today. Tab. Long may we play. Google Play is a trademark of Google LLC. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. Now, the match of the round, I went through and had a look, and I've plucked one out to preview. And I've decided to go to the West Saturday night for the West Coast Eagles up against Port Power. With Port, they've flexed their muscle the first two weeks and they're a slight favourite here at $1.85. Who wins in the West Saturday night, Jim? I think I'm going to go with Port Adelaide because I think they can cover what the Eagles' strengths were. And the Eagles played against a fantastic Bulldogs and that was contrasting game styles or philosophies. Yeah, the Dogs had 100 more touches, but it was all handball. As soon as they got it, we're just going to run the length of the field. Handball, link, link with all our midfield power. But the West Coast Eagles tools, normally if you look down the sheet and your three key tools have had you know 26 marks between them and most of them inside forward 50, 10 of them contested, you're going, oh, tick, where we've just achieved everything we want. And Natanui, that is dominant ruck display as far as hit-outs to advantage, and you get pipped you sort of go, oh, geez, I'm not sure what else they can do. But the Port Adelaide can match them. Well, clearly, I think they have the edge in the midfield with Shuey and Yo out. But also, they've got now with Aaliyah in that back line. They've got enough big key defenders to cover those three key forwards uh, that I mentioned for the Eagles. I'm tipping the Eagles. Uh, I think Port Adelaide, I, I think they're going to win the flag from what I've seen and their depth. They got You go through their depth and the, the players that are fighting for positions – it's perfect. It's a perfect ingredient to have. Not only a good year, but I think they can win the whole thing. And I'm, you know, I normally take to round sixteen to work out who I think can win. Gone early. Um, I've gone early with Port Adelaide, very early. But I think West Coast to win this match. I think they will. I thought they were very good against the Bulldogs. They pretty much should have won that match. If Cripps goes back, kicks the goal, start of the last quarter, we kicked on the man on the mark from about five meters out, ten meters out. It's game over, pretty much. You know, because they had a fair. Fair chase from um, the deficit they were coming from. Oh, jeez, Nat Nui was just dominant um, against Steph Martin, who's who's a, he's a real blue-collar worker and a strong guy. I just think at home, 
It's a three-goal advantage. I just think they'll find a way to win. I think their form's been pretty good. Gold Coast form from round one's holding up, which I thought Gold Coast would be highly competitive. And, yeah, I think they can win. It's going to be... This is the match of the round for me, for sure. If you want to watch two really good sides who are going to probably be top four, this is the match to watch because I think it'll be on. But I'd imagine West Coast will definitely be up and about, home crowd right behind them, knowing that's Port Adelaide. Hurting from last week, you know, losing towards the end of the match against the Bulldogs. Um, I just think they'll find a way to win. Hunters, you've been listening to Inside 50. Join us next week as the boys take us on tour.